I just wanted to say, um, just to let you know, Colin's doing well. He's uh, recovering. He's at home. He's still very sore. It was quite a, I think, a fairly big cut that was done and everything like that. So he's, he's mending. So if we don't see him for a little bit, it's because uh, he needs that rest. And uh, Tim and Paula, we were with him for the last two days up in the Berg. They're still up there. So that's where they are. And they send their love and their regards. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a bit of a time and a break away for them. So uh, let them have and enjoy that moment at this point in time. So I just wanted to, you know, it's amazing. Raymond has, a, has an ability to pray a prayer in the prayer meeting before. We always likes to pray. And he says, uh, you know, something to the effect that, Holy Spirit, if you need to change what needs to be said, change it. And uh, Raymond, unfortunately, God does do that with me sometimes. So I'm going to try to stick to my notes a little bit, and I haven't got a lot of time. But I, I really felt there was something on my heart that I wanted to sh- uh, share for the church this morning. And um, it's, it's, it's something that's, that's sort of, I, I, I just read something in the Bible, and it just, it bounced out at me. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where God just, in that moment, the Holy Spirit just reveals some things to you. And it's a personal word, but it, it was felt, I felt that it's something that the church needs to understand. So they asked me again uh, for a title, and there's my title, Oh My Word. And so it can mean a lot of things, but I'll hopefully explain to you what that, that title might mean, Oh My Word. And in the scriptures it talks about, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And we know the reference is talking about Jesus, that in the beginning... And when the, there was never a beginning, we know that. But when the beginning of mankind could understand and, and all of that, Jesus was with the Father, and he was there. And, 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 and they, were, they were one and unified. And so we understand that the reference there is that Jesus is the Word. So he is our living Word, okay? He is the one who has conquered the grave, as we heard, and, and, and has conquered sin. And conquered everything that needed to be done. Because we know for a fact that uh, if you read the scriptures and we understand that uh, when Paul was doing his teachings, the sacrifice of the lamb was never going to be sufficient. Something had to be done. And we understand that Jesus put his hand up and said, Father, I'm willing to be that living lamb. And so the father releases him down to the and they are separated for that period of time. And you see in the garden of Gethsemane, you see the heart of Jesus and and he's saying... Father, if you can take this cup away from me. What he was actually saying is if for a moment in time, he was going to be separated from his father. Now you must understand, we don't understand eternity because we don't understand how it is. And Jesus was always with the father. He always was on the right hand of the father. So they were a father and son, but friends as well. They connected and they would have spoken together and they would have been in that presence of the angels shouting, holy, 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 all the time. And when Jesus was faced with that in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was faced with the thing, it wasn't that he was facing the fact that he was going to get beaten or that he was going to get crucified. It was the fact that he was going to be separated from his father. Now, we don't necessarily understand that. But as a child, I can imagine, I I remember when I was much younger, and I'm really detouring off my notes completely now, but I just felt this. As a child, when I was was younger, I wasn't one of those kids who liked to go and sleep out at people's house. Because if I had to go sleep out, and and, and my parents would go away. They would go on holiday, or they'd go overseas, or something like that. And I was forced to have to stay at somebody's house. 
it was my worst because the, the thought of my parents not being around was overwhelming. And I can just imagine the heart of Jesus there of saying, I have to penetrate hell and I'm going to be separated from my father. The first time forever, but the price, the turmoil that he had to go through. But he said again, not my will, but your will be done. And that's the price that Jesus paid. He was willing to separate himself from the very dearest thing for you and I. Anyway, I just was thought, I thought I'd share that with <laughs> you. Because I, I, I honestly have a passion. And, and, and if we l- listen to the prophetic words that have come through the church and often that I share, it always seems to round about Jesus and the life of Jesus. And somebody shared to me the other day because I was sharing about the blood of Jesus. And they said, let us never forget the body of Jesus. And that's why we take communion. That's why we, we break bread. Because the two go hand in hand. If the body wasn't beaten, the blood wouldn't have flowed. And if the blood didn't flow, there was no point to the body being beaten. And so they go hand in hand. The salvation that Jesus, the life that Jesus brings into me is through his blood. But the victory that I have in this living physical body is through his body. That's why we can say, God, I need healing. God, I need wholeness. God, I need restoration. It's because his body was broken for that reason. The price that Jesus has done. I want us to just to read as best as I can. We're going to read in Matthew 14. I think it is on there. And it's a quick little story. And I want to tell you just the context of this. So just before this happened, there was the feeding of the 5,000. And we know that the disciples, there was 5,000 plus more. And so the, Jesus breaking the bread and the disciples taking the bread out. So they had spent the entire day or the time that they were there handing out in the hot sun. They must have been tired. They must have been weary. They must have been exhausted at that stage. And so the first thing is when we're tired and we're feeling exhausted and we want to just throw things away, is that I think I need to go and sleep. Watch what Jesus says. Immediately after this, just after they fed the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples go, get, get, um, get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, uh, while he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were away from land, for the strong winds had ridden, risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, remember they had, had a busy day that day, but they're still going at three o'clock in the morning. About three, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them once again, do not be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then, Jesus, uh, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you and walk on the water. Jesus said, he has come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong waves and winds, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, O Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And then, of course, he said, you have little faith. Jesus said, why do you doubt? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. and The disciples worshipped him. 
you really are the son of God. Now, I'll tell you what I found interesting with that story is they end that story with saying the, the disciples suddenly realizing, saying, you really are the son of God. Well, I, I think if you had just watched 5,000 people, let's just say 5,000, but there were more, being fed two loaves and a couple of fish. Was it two fish and five loaves? Yeah, other way around. I think most of us will say, well, if he can do that, if he can break this bread and it just doesn't end, he must be the son of God. But somehow they hadn't got the concept right there and then. It was only after a moment like this that the revelation actually came and sat into their hearts. A couple little points. It said immediately after this, Jesus insisted to his disciples, get into the boat and go to the other side. They were tired, they were weary, they wanted probably sleep, but Jesus insisted. I want to tell you something that I saw there. Sometimes in your life, Jesus is insisting that things need to be done in your life. And you'll say, well, I'm not ready for that. It's not the right time. It's not what I want to do right now. But Jesus is saying, I want you to get into that boat. Do you think Jesus, well, said, get in the boat. Did he know that the storm was going to happen? Absolutely. Why? Because he was in a process of teaching them something. And right at the end, we see what he wanted to teach them, where they realized who he actually was. Jesus wants to teach us things where we come to the realization of who we really are, who he really is in your life. Because sometimes we walk around and we say, yes, I know Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. But when the difficult times come, we want to run to the hills. And we want to say, oh, why, God? Why is this happening? And God is saying, I'm still in it. I need you to go through it that you can get the revelation at the end of it. And so we see that. So Jesus insists that they want you to do. Now, after sending them home, I saw over there is that sometimes, and I'm just, these are just little points that I'm going to throw out at you as I go around because that's what I saw. Jesus sends them off and he says to them, I'm going to stay a little longer with the people so we, that they can go home. And what I saw with that is sometimes you think God's finishing working in your life. Or maybe you think God's finished working in somebody else's life. And what I get from that is Jesus says, I'm never finished working with them. He says to the disciples, you carry on, but I'm going to stay here because there's a little bit more that I need to do. Jesus never abandons us. He's always doing the little bit more. He has a plan, not only for his disciples, but he had the plan for the 5,000 as well. And he needed to do a little bit more. And so he stays. After sending them home, he went up to the hills and he prayed. You know what we, we know we, many times in the New Testament, we understand the scripture and he says, Jesus went to the hills and prayed. After almost every single major miracle that he did, he always went to solitude to spend time with the Father. Why? Because his, his thing was, I only do what my Father in heaven tells me to do. He's listening all the time. He's waiting to hear what his dad has to say before he acts. My question to us is how many times are we stopping and saying, Father, what is it that you want me to do? Holy Spirit, in this moment, what is it that you want from me? So that when I move forward, I'm moving forward in you 
plan and in your purpose. So the next miracle that takes place or the next thing that happens is not on me. It's because my father has told me that that's what I'm going to do. And so we can learn from a lesson that we need to be pulling aside. And here, to that, touch on that a little bit more just now as well. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far from land. Some say it's about three miles into the lake. Now, to paddle three miles into the lake, and the, the Bible says that they left when it was sort of getting dusk. So, Jesus got to them when it was about three o'clock in the morning. So they had been paddling for a long time. Very tired, very exhausted, but they're paddling. What were they paddling into? A strong wind, which was a head-on wind. So they were going directly into the wind. The trouble was hitting them on. And they were rowing, and they were rowing, and they were getting nowhere. In another, in another ver- uh, version, I think in the book of Luke, it says, Jesus from a distance could see that they were strong. And so Jesus comes along to walk on the water. And when we're facing troubles, when Jesus is coming to our situation, often we'll cry, not necessarily in these words, oh, it's a ghost. Because we're looking and we're saying, I'm in this situation, the winds and the storm and the waves are hitting me. I'm getting battered from all sides. I'm doing what Jesus told me. He said I must get into this boat and I must move across to the other side. But I'm being battered and I've been hit. And my life is difficult. And I don't know how to face and how to carry on. Jesus comes walking on the water. And what I noticed there, at first, they never recognized who he was. Because he was a long distance away, the Bible says. I think if they really, truly knew him, deep down, they would have known who it was. Because I don't think they knew many people who walked on water in those days. I don't know. I don't know of anybody. I mean, I know as a kid I used to try at the pool, you know. Okay, God, I'm going to test you by faith. I'm going to see if I can stand. He worked. So I never, I never had that privilege of walking on water. But the reality is, I don't think they knew many people who could do that. So I think if you saw somebody walking on water, you've just seen them feeding 5,000 people, I think you could recognize. The first thing they say, oh, it's a ghost. Who is this? But Jesus in his grace cries out to them and says, do not be afraid. Take courage. And I am here. And in our situations that we face and the challenge, take courage. Take hope. Because I'm there. I've sent you on that journey. I'll meet you on that journey. And I'll walk you through that journey. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then I, what stuck, uh, stuck out to me is, uh, really well, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come and walk on the water. And Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Now what I find very strange, he's just spent a good couple of hours in the boat with strong winds and big waves. So surely when he was climbing out the boat, there were strong winds and big waves. We can assume that that's the way it is. But for a moment in time, when he, when, he, when he grasped the word of Jesus, what Jesus spoke into his heart and said, yes, come. For that moment in time, he climbed out of that boat. Let me climb out of my boat. He stepped out. And the Bible said he walked on water. And while he was walking, suddenly his eyes caught the wind and the waves. 
and the doubt crept in. And of course, we understand that he sank and he was sinking. And then he said, And the winds of the waves were terrifying, began to sink. And he said, Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus, watch this now. This is the most amazing thing. This was something that stuck into my heart. Yazel Peter walking on the water towards Jesus. Jesus was as a distance away because they couldn't recognize him. So they're walking towards each other. He's coming towards Jesus. Suddenly he begins to sink. And the Bible says, as he said, save me, Lord, Jesus stretched out his hand and picked him up. So when was he? He was right next to Jesus when he suddenly began to sink. It wasn't like as he was sinking, Jesus came sprinting across the water. The Bible doesn't say that. He says, as he was there, as he said, help me, he stretched out his hand and lifted him up. See, Jesus is much closer than you think he is. He's right there. When doubt steps in and fear steps in your life and your eyes begin to be the dictator of what you're doing and how you're acting and how you're conducting yourself, what happens? You begin to sink. But even in that moment, even where Jesus afterwards says, oh, little faith, he kind of rebukes him. Even in that moment, the grace of Jesus is still there with a helping hand to say, I'm here to pick you up. You see, you and I can't fall away. If we stay, if we stay focused on Jesus and know who he is, we cannot fall away from him. Because his hand is always there. He always wants to lift you up. Save me, O Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, So you are little faith. Why you doubt me? And when he climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him and said, You are truly the Son of God. to that, there was a passage that um, in James that I was reading as well and it just, it stuck out to me. Oh My Word was the title. Tell us about the Word of God this morning. I want to tell you what God had revealed in my heart to show us that there is something about His Word. And there are three or four things that I want to say. There is the living Word. And when I'm referring to the Word, I refer to all of these things. The living Word. Jesus Christ, in the beginning, of the Word. He's the living Word. Then, of course, we know we've got the written Word, the Bible, the text, that we use as our guidelines. And in that Bible, that's how we learn the character of God. Because you only have to read through the Old Testament and you begin to understand what God likes and what God dislikes. He clearly makes it out what sin is and what sin is not. What we must do or what we mustn't do. Then in the New Testament, we get a revelation of who Jesus is and what he's come to do and the life that he's brought. And then further on, we get a revelation of the Holy Spirit and how he's here with us to guide us through this word, to bring life from this word. And then, of course, there's the prophetic word. A word spoken over you from an outside person or from a church or whatever the kind. And then there is the spoken word. Like now, I'm teaching you, I'm speaking the word of God, I'm sharing the word of God to you. What is God saying to you about in the spoken word? And then the last one there was is the personal word. 
That moment in time where you're in your quietness and you're just walking along, you could be on the beach, you could be anywhere, where the, where the Spirit of God speaks into your life. says, this is what I want you to do. That's what Jesus was doing. See, Jesus knew the Bible. He knew his Father. He knew he was the Word. But he also still had to have that personal Word continually pouring into his life. The encouragement, the motivation to say, Son, keep going. We're still on the same plan. I've still got a purpose for you. This is what I want you to do. And in the same way, Jesus has got a personal word for every single one of you here. But you need to listen. A couple of weeks ago, there was a a prophetic word that I gave here. And I said, God wants us as a church to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I said, what I said there is, I said, He wants us to be so sensitive that if there was a slight shifting of a breeze, we would feel the hairs on on our arms moving. In other words, we have to be so sensitive to what the Spirit of God wants to say. Because it's a, He's the Word being spoken into us. He's the direction that He's giving into us. He's the one that will give us the next step in our journey. We can take hold of this, and it's vitally important, and we get this in our heart because we know what we shouldn't do and how we should con- conduct our life. But on the day-to-day, every single moment in our time, it's that personal Word. That little spoken word that is probably one of the most important things because it gives such clear direction. And I want to say to you that we understand the story. I don't think my notes are going to help you on that because I'm detouring completely, but it's fine. The Bible talks about the sower. In fact, one chapter before, Jesus tells a parable of a farmer who sows some seed. Is it falling away? Oh, dear. There we go. Sorry. There we go. Is that better? Eh? No? There we go. I don't know what it's doing. It's getting too excited. Can you hear me, though? Okay, that's fine. But Jesus tells the story of the sower, and we understand that story. We understand that Jesus is sowing the seed, uh, the, 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 the farmer is sowing the seed, and it says that some of the seed falls onto the hard ground. And then it says some of the seed falls onto the rocky ground and some of the seed falls into the weeds. And then of course some of the seed falling into it. God is giving you seed every single moment of your life. My challenge to you this morning is are we listening to what he's saying? He's he's talking to you through the spoken spoken word. He's talking to you to, to this word. And he's talking to you in the personal word, one-on-one. And we learn from that, that, that parable of what happens with that seed. It gets thrown onto the hard ground. And the Bible says it, it gets picked up by the birds because the people didn't understand what it was meaning. And so the challenge for us is to say, Father, if you're sharing something to me, give me the meaning that I understand what you're saying. That that word, that that you give me will be deep-seated and deep-rooted in my life. That it will change me forever. And some of us are getting thrown, some of the seed is getting thrown onto the, on, onto the, uh, the rocky soil. And the Bible says that obviously there's a little bit of soil there so it takes root, but the roots don't and it eventually withers away. And those are the people who are saying, I understand the word. God, you gave me a revelation of what I need to do. You've challenged me on what I need to go forward on what I need to say. 
and how I need to live. But it doesn't last long. Because it's like, ah, you know, last Sunday there was a lovely word and it challenged me on something, but I've forgotten what it was. And we throw away that seed. And we lose hope. And we lose what God wants us to be developed in. And then, of course, the, 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 the weeds, it gets choked. And why does that happen? Because the world, the, the influence of the world around us, the things that happen in the world suddenly take dominance over it. God is saying, have peace. And you say, but look at the situation. And then, of course, the good soil. And that's what God wants for us. And, you know, so many of us going through turmoil, we're saying, oh, I'm so stressed. I don't know how I can cope. Why am I in this situation? What caused this to happen in my life? And instead of going to the Word and finding the Word and allowing the Word to become a living Word, a seed in our life to take root and bring victory, we become like that. Sometimes it's on the hard ground. Sometimes it's choked because we start to listen to the world around us. And the Word of God that God has given us is vitally important. It's something that we need to grasp and take hold of. In James 1, verse 19, it says, Understand this, dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then it goes on to slow to get angry. If you want a secret in life, that's what it's about. Quick to listen and slow to speak. Jesus, in many of his occasions, when he was dealing with the Pharisees and all that, said this, If you have ears to hear, let him hear. Because too often we're looking at our sight and we're seeing the waves of what's going on. But we, we forgot the word of Jesus saying, come, get out of the boat, follow me, walk on the water. And that's what Peter did. He walked in the water and he came to a place where he suddenly had that doubt and that overtook him and he began to sink. Yeah. We can see... In James as well, we talk about different types of troubles that we face. And there's two types of troubles that I identify in my own life. And the, and the, and, and the book of James, I'm not going to go because you're running out of time. Is the tests. And we look at the story of the disciples being forced into the boat. That was a test. They were being tested. Jesus was testing their belief. He was testing their faith. He was testing their stand. He was te testing their commitment towards Him. But then, of course, the Bible also talks about that there are other things that we have. And then in, 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 the, in the book of James, it refers to this, the temptations. And it says this, James 1.14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us to, and drags us away. These desires give a birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, there's a time in your life that you are your own reason why you're going through problems and challenges. Because you've allowed yourself not to be saturated by His living Word, not to hear the direction of the Word, the personal Word that Jesus got for you. You've taken this Bible and you said, yes, I know the Bible. I've read it from cover to cover. But actually, do you know the Word? Because if you know the Word, then God will say, if you follow my instructions, you won't get into a place where you are, you are allowing yourself to be tempted. And I've been down that road. Where you get into situations which have far-reaching consequences. You say, oh God, where were you? God was always there. He was always giving direction. The problem is, is that 
weren't listening. So you've got those two tests. I'm going to just summarize and just go straight to there. So I had lots to say, but I don't want to <laughs> say too much because I want to get to that where it says there, oh my word. I want you to understand what God gave me out of that. And that's why I've got that title. And the first one that says there, oh my word. Understand that. We've all said it. Oh my word. How am I going to get through this? Oh my goodness. This is just too hard. And so you have that case of, oh my word, exclamation mark, exclamation. Oh my word. How am I going to cope? Or else you can have the one where it's, oh my word, question mark, or, or dot, dot, dot. As in other words, there's no way of getting out of this. And then the one with the question mark, oh my word, question mark, question mark, question mark. What do I do? And I want to say to you, the last one, and this is what God gave me. If we take that phrase and we change it and you say, oh, come my word. It changes the entire meaning. Just said. Because if I say that, oh, suddenly I'm not looking at the problem. I'm suddenly focusing on the solution, the word, the living word, God, Jesus, in that situation. And so here I sit there and I say, oh, my word, Jesus can come through. Oh, my word, there's peace in a time of trouble. Oh, my word, there's healing in my body because of the brokenness. See, Jesus has a solution for us. We need to just embrace Him as the living Word. We need to embrace Him as the written Word. We need to embrace that there is the prophetic Word that can guide our life. There is the, the, and then there's the personal Word as well. And I'm going to close with this last little bit over here. And I've taken the, 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 the quick little phrase, W-O-R-D. How can we change our lives to be what Jesus wants us to be and how he wants us to live in every situation? And I said their word is for wisdom. And in James 1 verse 5, it says, He who lacks wisdom, he must ask for it. The wisest man on earth was Solomon. And the Bible says there will never be anybody as wise as he was. But you look at the Psalms and, 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 and the books that were written there. He talks about wisdom. Wisdom is not our own understanding. It's a God-given understanding. And its ability to see things, not through our lenses, but through His lenses, and how He can change the situation, and what He can do. And that's why we need to know this word. Because in that moment where you're feeling, you're feeling like, I cannot go anymore, He says, hang on, there's hope. Why so downcast, O oh my soul, put your trust in me? That's what he declares. And as soon as you take hold of that in the wisdom that God has given you, it becomes life. That seed now begins to germinate inside of you and something is produced that will lead you on to far greater things. So we need God's wisdom to understand his word and the direction and the plan that he has. The O is for orientation. There's an app on my phone. And it's, a, it's a, a, a spirit level app that you can, if you want to measure something, to see if it's level. But now before you do it, I don't have my phone with me. I'll just say my tablet here. Before you do it, what it requires from you to do is you've got to twist it a couple of 
the times to get it orientated. So it knows where it is in space. And at the same time, it's, it's working on the vertical and it's working. And the word that God speaks personally into your life, the written word, brings orientation. It brings balance back into your life. In fact, I would use the word calibration. It recalibrates our life because I tell you what, so often with the world we live in and the sin that we're exposed to and the environment that we're in, if I'm off one degree and I keep going, I'm going to miss the mark that God has got for me. And sometimes we have to come back to the basics and God says, okay, right, let me recalibrate you. Let me re-put you on the path in the direction that you need to go. I went to the SABS many years ago and, and, and it was to do with lighting, but this particular one, they, they, they were testing scales. And what they have in the scale there, professional scales and these big scales that they use for industrial uses and all that have to be calibrated every so many years. Or else they lose the ability to measure correctly. And so what they do, they do is they take a weight of something and they have a reference weight of one, say it's one kg. And that has been proven and tested that that is one kg. And then they'll put it onto the scale and they'll reset the scale based on that. Therefore, after that, everything is accurate. God comes with his word and spoken into your life and he sets a seed into your life and he digs into you and he says, I want you to change this. I want you to move in this direction. What he's doing is reorientating your life. And the word of God on the R, I don't brings righteousness. It brings repentance. It brings revival. It brings a reconciliation because as you repent, as it brings something you repent, it changes the outlook. And so the word brings life back into you and eventually it will bring to you a point. In other words, the revival is a breakthrough in your life, a victory inside of your life. And the last word there is the D. The word the spoken word, the prophetic word, the written word, and the living word bring direction into your life. And we all need direction. So many of us are crying and saying, God, which way do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? How do I must I do this? Am I in the right place? If we can get these things right, it begins to put direction in your life. I'm going to close here. I just wanted to read something that I... It says, sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you might have been buried, but actually, you've just been planted. And I want to say to you, sometimes when you are in a dark place, your life might feel that you've been buried. But what God is saying, no, you've been planted. So endure that dark place, endure that space, and allow that word, that seed that is, endure, that is put inside of you, to become life, that you can become the person that you need to be. Eyes create doubt, ears create faith. If we follow our eyes, we get deceived too often. If we understand the story of where Jesus is, it's about the word. When Moses was walking in the wilderness and he saw the burning bush, he wasn't astounded and convicted by the burning bush. It was only when he went to the bush and God spoke to him in the bush that he got the direction that he wants. See, what we can see is not relevant to what God is saying into our lives.
Have your word, apply your word, and live your word. Marie, of a few things, and I detoured along the path, and I've, I don't know if I made 100% sense in the whole thing, but I really just wanted to just reiterate that God's got a plan for our lives. And that plan is far bigger than we understand. It's far greater. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter who you are, where your situation is, what your job situation, how much money you've got in the bank. It only matters on the plan that he's got for you. And I want to say this morning, God's got something installed for every single one of you. Embrace it. Have your ear tuned to what his spirit is saying on a daily basis and a moment-by-moment basis. Amen. Amen. Right. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. So, um, I, this week I, in my alone time, um, I, had, I had this question. And this, the question was like, like Lord, you are, Lord, you have everything. Like, what can I give you that you don't really have? And the, the, the answer that I ha- had there for, with that was your choice. Like, you, God has given you choice. And that's the only thing that you own that He can't really like, choose to follow Him. And with that being said, like, the choices that, that we, we make, if we let God make those choices for us, when the storms come, that's when the difference is. When, when there's storms coming... Um, you, you, you know, might be like, if, if you made that choice yourself, you might be questioning yourself. But when God has spoken and God has made that choice for you, um, you can foolproof know that even if you're in a storm, you're still in the right path. And yeah, I just, I just felt like this was very fitting for this. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Just close our eyes. We just want to pray. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you for a word that would be planted in the lives of every person here. God, I pray for protection over the word that you speak into their lives. Lord, that you would show them how that it can be scattered into the good soil and take root. Because it's the word that you speak on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, that can transform and change our lives. And I pray, Lord, that it would transform and change our lives. That it would have depth and meaning. And that the revelation of your word would be made known to us. And that we would just move in your presence and in your purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen.